Hey everyone, it's Katie. If you like the show, help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Find us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. And visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today, we're going to talk about loneliness. (sighs) No. (laughs) We're going to talk about loneliness. Why? Because I've been feeling kind of lonely and melancholy the last few days. It just made me think that when you're traveling and when you're living in a brand new place, that sometimes it's not always thrilling. Sometimes it's really lonely. I think it's a personality type too. Some people are there and it's thrilling and overwhelming. But you know, I know that I and some of you listening are people who go through a melancholy, lonely phase of things. And so I thought it would be worth talking about. And I think that hopefully during the course of our conversation, we can come up with some ideas of how to psych yourself up to go on a trip by yourself or to take the plunge to move abroad if you know that you're that type of person. Like if what's stopping you from moving abroad or from just traveling alone is the fear of loneliness, let's talk about it. Let's see if we can come up with any ideas of how to tackle that. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So lately, people have been telling me more and more that I should try taking a trip by myself because... I have taken little trips by myself, usually like little road trips or something like that, but I've never gone somewhere like farther away alone where I was going and I wasn't meeting anybody there, anything like that. I was just going and I decided I want to go to Croatia and I'm going, you know, that sort of thing. I've never done anything like that before. And it sounds like a kind of thrilling concept and I would love to believe that it's something I can pull off. Mm -hmm. But then I start saying, but if I'm already kind of lonely... Why would I do that? Doesn't that just isolate myself even more? Is what I need human connection? Friends? Join a club? Start a book group? (laughs) (laughs) You know, not go to a place where I can't speak the language. Some people would say that when you're lonely, the most important thing that you can do is to be alone. Have you ever heard that, that nugget of wisdom? No. What is it supposed to mean? What I mean is, I mean, I didn't invent this, but I have heard this. It's that if you're feeling lonely, instead of surrounding yourself with a bunch of friends, which is not a cure for loneliness, if you think about it, it's just you're taking yourself out of a situation in which you would be lonely because you're you're surrounding yourself with friends. But then eventually you're going to go home again and you're going to be alone again and you're going to feel more lonely than before because of the contrast between being around your friends and then being alone. So if you're feeling lonely, you need to embrace it. You need to purposely be alone and soak it up and think about why you're feeling alone and feel all the feels that you're feeling. I don't know if it's a cure, but it's better than just masking it behind, oh, I'm going to be social now, so I don't remember that I'm lonely. I think real loneliness isn't necessarily come from being alone. I think it comes from something else that's going on in your life, so if you mask it, you're not going to take it away. So you need to kind of get to the root of the problem. I'm not preaching here. I'm just telling you what I have heard about this. And as someone who has traveled alone 
when I was feeling very lonely and very, I don't want to say depressed because that's, you know, that's a serious clinical issue, but let's say very down because I had had a recent breakup. I think it helped. I really think it helped. What helped about it? Um, I think first of all, just being alone with your thoughts. Like I said, feeling the feels, not running away from your feelings. Cause you can't really, when you're in a situation where you're all by yourself and you're, you're experiencing new things and you're feeling new sensations, you can't like run away. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Cause you're going to have to feel the feels anyway. Right. I mean, eventually you can surround yourself with friends and stuff like that, but you can only surround yourself with friends for so much of the time. So you're saying concentrate it into a shorter period of time that's an adventure. And by shorter period of time, just because all you are is, is alone feeling it versus being able to go to work, being able to see friends from time to time. Well, first of all, this expression or this piece of advice that I heard, I don't know where, wasn't necessarily talking about take a trip. If you're feeling lonely, take a trip by yourself. It was just spend some time alone. It could be an hour. It could be sit in your house for an hour with a cup of coffee and a book or whatever. It could be just that much. So I'm not saying if you're lonely, you must go travel by yourself right now. (laughs) Then on the other hand, I think traveling alone And it depends where you go, because there are certain places that lend themselves to solo travelers who then meet up and make friends. And there are certain places that that's really common, like India. You think, okay, I'm traveling alone, but you might just end up making a bunch of new friends or making one new friend. That's true. When you travel with someone else, you're just not as open to meeting people because you're with someone else. Why would you, you know, whether it's a friend or or a husband or a mom or a girlfriend or whoever it is, you're not open to, oh, look at that person sitting over there by themselves. Maybe I'll go see if I can join them, which you might do when you're traveling alone. Might, might. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know, depending on who you are. Well, you're such a bold person. Not that I'm not. I'm like, I can interview the best of them, but I'm not like one that wanders up and is like, (laughs) it's join you for tea you know (laughs) well like I said it depends on the place when you're in India so many people travel alone in India and go backpacking that it's almost like you sort of just automatically find people everybody's in the same sort of guest houses or they're in the same compartments of the train it's an easy place for foreigners to be grouped together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you're in a place like London, where you you can't tell who's a foreigner and who's a traveler and who's not, you can't recognize someone who's from your country. It's obviously not the same thing. And I don't think that if I were in London and I saw someone sitting alone, I would approach them and be like, can I join you? (laughs) Whereas in India, it was so much easier because I could tell that that other blonde girl in the hotel is obviously a tourist. Right. <laughs> you know, like me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not as bold as I may seem. But you never know. Let me ask you a totally different question. What kind of person are you when you get to a new place? When you move to a new spot, do you go through a period of melancholy? Or are you just sort of like hit the ground running? It's all going to be good. Don't you remember? I was depressed for my first full year in Rome. I do remember. But okay, so 
do you think that's just part of the adaption process of moving? I don't. Because I know a lot of people listen to us when they're depressed. Thank you for that, by the way, everybody. Hopefully not too depressing to listen to. You know, I think it's, there's no, there can't be any hard and fast rule because everybody is different and every situation is different. I could move somewhere else and have a totally different experience simply because maybe I knew people who lived there or I had a job already. When I moved to Rome, it was very difficult for me because I had no job. I had no friends, no connections with the exception of some relatives who didn't end up being very nice people. Not only that, but it was before social media. And I know that sounds stupid, but that makes a huge difference. Now that there are all of these social groups out there, whether it's the Instagrammers of Rome or whether it's the expat Facebook group or whatever it is, it's very easy to sort of cultivate a group of people that you don't even know, but that you could almost consider friends. And then if you go to that place, then you can start making real connections with those people. If I had had some kind of resource like that, I think that I would have had an easier time. But I had a very hard time making friends and meeting people. My first nine months in Rome, and I was very isolated and very lonely, and I cried a lot. <laughs> I don't want people out there being like, oh, well, you know, it's easy for her because she just goes up and asks people to join them for tea. <laughs> no, it's not exactly the way that it was. I um, was thinking back on when in the year I spent in Rome. I had the first month probably where I had a little bit of that crisis of what am I doing here? Melancholy, like, why did I quit my job? Why am I in this beautiful, amazing city? But when I think about that year, there was a lot of time, a lot of time that I spent alone. Days where I just didn't talk to anybody all day long. Everyone who's listened from the beginning knows that I didn't really catch on with speaking Italian really well while I was there. And so I had whole days where I didn't talk to anybody. But at the time, I think I kind of needed that because I had been so depleted by how hard I had been working leading into that year that I just sort of wanted to retreat into myself and not have to deal with anybody. But I can see how it would be a very different circumstance for you or if you're like starting a new job in another country and you don't have this reason to want to pull inward and retreat. It has this potential for long-term melancholy. I don't know what I'm getting at here exactly, but pick up whatever part of that you want and <laughs> just <laughs> run with it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we planned this show well, people. This is a very fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants show, if you haven't realized that already. Not that it isn't always. But That's what I yeah. mean. It always is. <laughs> the same thing with our New Year's, New Year's episode. What did we do for that episode? We were supposed to be talking about resolutions, and we ended up talking about fireworks I can't, no, I can't, <laughs> no it wasn't fireworks it was completely off topic but anyways getting back to what you were saying why you feel like you needed that time was it because you had been like such a sort of career driven person for so long that you needed to like have introspective time why was that so important to you at that moment in your life yeah I think of it as sort of an artistic recovery period. When I left, and we've mentioned this before, but when I left, a columnist that I knew in Seattle suggested that I 
take the time to do the book the artist's way which is supposed to like get you thinking and more in touch with what you want to be doing with your life yes and he said well if you have to be gone and you're not gonna have a job why don't you take the time to do that I think in the process of doing that, I realized that in all this hard work and all the corporate stuff that comes with a job and a job that you did for a long time, I think that I had sort of lost that internal artist compass that I had originally going into it where I had dreams and desires and things I wanted to explore and try. Yes, I had an incredibly artistic job where I could do anything I wanted, but in the daily grind of it, it becomes more um, administrative and like, okay, I've got to come up with eight more programs that we're doing this week, you know? And (laughs) I think I just sort of started to lose, why am I doing this? That kind of question. So I think I had to go into that recovery period and say, it's okay to just lay around and read a book for a day. It's okay to explore a museum. And I think I ended up discovering things that I didn't realize I was going to find, which was I never had an interest in visual art ever in my entire life. (laughs) Well, Rome will do that to you. Oh man, all of a sudden I was, I love going to like a gallery and seeing art, particularly from the Renaissance, but I'm not a huge modern art fan still. But you never know. You never know if you have some way of becoming immersed in that as well. I find that the same exact thing happened to me when I moved to Rome as far as the art thing, because as the listeners probably know I studied music and I was so obsessed with music and I also did performing arts in general as a younger kid a lot of theater a lot of dance but music was my like huge passion I completely like ignored visual arts it was like they didn't exist it's like yes I loved the, the impressionists when we went to France when I was a kid I thought the impressionists were great and I had a few favorite artists here and there and I had a couple of postcards randomly but I was not passionate about it and then I moved to Rome and it totally changed I became obsessed to the point that I seriously considered going back to school to get an art history degree and I really think I would have done so if I hadn't had so many other things going on in my life. So I totally get you on that. But isn't it crazy how like you have these dormant passions within you that you just don't even know are there until something sparks them? Yeah, I always thought everything, I got into audio so young, I always thought that my artistic expression, my main artistic expression is always going to be sound related. Mm-hmm. Never minding that I was a writing major in college. So I think part <laughs> of what I, I reconnected with too in Rome and having that period of time was that I like to write and that I can sit and write a lot if I give myself the chance to. And a lot of that was just unpacking all this like hidden anger. And, you know, there were a lot of things when you write every day about yourself that you start to realize that you're carrying around. Mm. And so I think part of that year was getting rid of that and then discovering oh I'm into visual stuff I'm into art I like doing this I see things in a different way than other people maybe and so maybe I'll start taking a photograph and wow I would have never thought to take a photograph that way and it's just sort of like discovering these other like weird hidden passions I guess and I needed that time so badly I still need that time I want that time back (laughs) (laughs) did you finish the artist's way yeah I did Wow, because I I did the artist's way when I was in grad school, and I was actually going through a very lonely time as well when I was in grad school, because I studied in Montreal. I was in a long-term relationship at that time. My then-boyfriend was in Boston, and 
I felt very isolated. I didn't have tons of friends. I mean, I was going to school, so I had my sort of school friends, but I didn't live near the university, so I didn't have a huge social life. So I did it, but I never finished. I think I got like two thirds or three quarters of the way in and something stopped me and I don't know why I could never continue. But I feel like it's something that I'd like to do again, although of course I have no time right now. (laughs) Do you need a lot of time to do that? I can't remember. I thought it was very time consuming. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Now that's not to say that you couldn't do it maybe slower or something like that. The Artist's Way, by the way, subtitle, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. By Julia Cameron. I bet I know what stopped you. What? I forget exactly when it is in the book, but there's this one part where she has you go back and reread all of your writing and highlight looking for things about how you talk to yourself. What is something that you're telling yourself that's not true? I forget how she explains it, but something like repeating patterns of how you're describing stuff to yourself. So you have to go back through and then like read everything again and highlight looking for three or four specific things. And I remember when that part came about, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to have to go back through every day. That might have been it, actually. I think that was it. I think that was where I stopped. Because you're just like, that is going to take forever. You know, <laughs> you're like, I don't want to do that. But it's not just about the time. It's also about sort of like opening up your heart and like looking in. It's kind of scary. You don't know what you want to find in there. Seriously, how much of our lives do we go around avoiding looking at ourselves? I spend a great deal of time doing that. I think that kind of goes back to our original point. When you put yourself in a situation of being alone, whether it's traveling alone, just being alone at home, or moving away where you don't know people, I think that puts you in a position where you're kind of forced to do that kind of work because you're there and there's nowhere to go. I hate to say what else you're going to do, but it's kind of like you're there. It's kind of glaring at you in the face. It's kind of hard to get away from it when there's no one else to sort of distract you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. And I think particularly if you're in a country where you don't speak the language, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's even more isolating, really, unless you're surrounding yourself by English language speakers, particularly if you're traveling and you literally have nothing else that you're supposed to be doing. You're in a country and you're not there to work. You're there to just have the time. It's your time. Well, I have to say for people who are like wanting to travel and maybe don't have someone that they can go with at the moment, but they don't want that to stop them. And they maybe don't want to sit around and read the artist's way or (laughs) be super introspective. Just some practical advice What I do when I'm going on a trip alone, and it's been a long time now. (laughs) Yeah, you may never go on a trip alone again for the next 17 years. (laughs) (laughs) Never say never. Until your baby is an adult, but go ahead. I always have a plan, a very detailed tourist plan of what I want to do. And it's always much more ambitious than uh, what I would do if I was with someone. And actually, that's kind of great if you're going to a place that really interests you, where there's a lot of stuff that you want to see, like like a city like London, like a city that has so much to see, or Paris or Rome. If you're going to a city like that, where you could just spend you know, almost weeks, more than weeks, let's say you're going to go for four days, you can fit so much into those four days if you're by yourself. 
And sometimes you do that almost to avoid being alone with yourself. Yeah. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it can be a good thing if you really want to hit seven museums in four days and you're like, okay, let's do this. It can be a bad thing if part of the reason you're traveling alone is to um, get in touch with your inner feelings and then you might miss yeah. them <laughs> if you're going constantly. But, but it's um, a good point because I think sometimes, you know, I also think that there are periods of life where, particularly for me, I think I've been doing like a lot of, soul searching introspection lately and so there's part of me that just goes i don't want to go away and do more of that Mm -hmm. i want to have some freaking fun you know (laughs) like i want to have a good time i want to stop analyzing myself to a certain degree then you need to go somewhere where there's going to be a lot of other solo travelers place where there's a lot of water slides and roller coasters probably too right (laughs) It depends. I don't think there's going to be that many solo travelers where there are also water slides. You're going to be coming across lots of families (laughs) with little kids. I know. I don't know where I pulled that out from. I'm just like, well, what would be like inherently fun right now? I think you need to go to India. That's where I'm thinking. Really? Why? I've never wanted to go to India. No offense to anybody who loves India. Oh, I loved India. I had an amazing time in India. No offense to you. It literally changed my life, that trip. I really do feel like it changed my life. How so? You know, it's hard to put into words, but maybe it was just the first place I ever went that was so completely different from anything that I knew and from any of the sort of Western culture that I was familiar with. And I think it was the first place I ever went that had really obvious poverty that you just saw right on the street, lying on the street sometimes in front of your feet. It's just such a completely different way of life um, that the people live. And I just felt like I learned so much about the world and how different the world is from my little narrow experience of it. On top of that, I think I was going through this sort of mild depression. I don't want to call it depression because it it was more just being very, very upset after a very bad breakup. It was sort of, I was sort of finally starting to feel better. And it was that trip that like turned me around. I had been really down for maybe two or three months. I'd been doing a lot of traveling during that time, but short trips, not very far away. And when I went to India, I felt like that was where things changed. And I started to realize that it wasn't the end of my life my life was going to go on and that there was this huge, huge world out there so much bigger than that person that I was leaving behind or that had left me behind. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's Don't gild the situation. No. And I met people, no one that in and of themselves changed my life, but, you know, I met a lot of people. I did a lot of new things. It was sort of just all of these great experiences compacted into six weeks. And then plus there was a lot of time that I had to be very self-sufficient in ways that I never had been before and doing a lot of things that scared me, doing a lot of things that challenged me every day. It was just an incredible learning experience and growing experience and just the kind of thing where you're like, wow, I didn't realize that I had it in me to do that. And so I guess that's how it changed me. Hmm. Well, should we leave it there? 
That seems like such a great way to end an episode on loneliness. Well, let's let's end it. Let's end it there then. And I really encourage everyone, including you, Katie, to take the plunge, whether that's for some of you out there moving abroad or whether that's taking a trip alone or a trip that scares you, a trip that's out of your comfort zone, because those are really the things that make you grow and make your life so much richer and so much more interesting. Yeah, and I would love to hear too. I do hear from some of you from time to time that have told me that we are your company when you're feeling lonely when you first get to an, a new place. So I'd like to hear your stories too. Like how, how do you deal with your loneliness? What do you do to pull yourself out of it? You know, if it's not travel, what else? What else? You can either email us, as you know, we've always put our email address out there quite often and we do get emails. But if you'd like to send us a voice message, uh, feel free to do that as well. That would be fun. Yeah. And we can, uh, if we get some good voice messages, maybe we can start playing them on air. I would love that. That would be so much fun. I get tired of just hearing us talk. So yeah, I think we could, we could almost do that every, every episode. Yeah. I would love that. Yes, start sending us voice memos. You could even just record really interesting sounds if you want from wherever you are in the world. Our email address is bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's M-A-I-L. So send us your voice memos. I love that idea. That would be really fun to hear. All right. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best.